Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that helps take you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. There's a lot of people besides myself that have been blessed by their activities. Normally on the first Thursday of the month, it's Alan Fox. The second Thursday of the month, which is today, it's Coach Chuck Reesey. On the third Thursday of the month, it is Dr. John Murray. On the fourth Thursday of the month, we rotate each month, and it's either uh, Coach Scott Williams or Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, who sometimes even brings her husband along, Dr. Bryce Young. On those occasions, we are truly blessed. And on those occasional fifth Thursdays, well, who knows? Over the past, over the last three years, we have been blessed to have coaches like Nick Saviano, Coach Scott Engie, uh, Coach uh, Ashley Hobson, uh, and too many uh, college coaches and high school coaches uh, to name at this time. The broadcast isn't that long. We've also had USTA officials, PTR and USPTA executive directors, and other members of the organization. And we've also been blessed to have Florida Tennis Magazine founder and editor Jim Marks on. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen at time you choose to the broadcast. On Wednesday, uh, Coach Greasy's American Tennis uh and now on Sundays, uh, Coach's Corner of what Randy Blumendahl is on. Uh, truthfully, I very seldom uh, get a chance to listen to their broadcast live, but I do listen to them regularly. And actually, yesterday I caught American Tennis uh, live, and um, I, well, what else is new? Coach uh, Greasy had an excellent broadcast on, and I especially uh, uh, love listening to uh, Su- Susie, uh, uh, who has two uh, boys playing tennis, and I love her attitude. Uh, she wasn't waiting on the USTA or other people to do things. She started doing things herself, and I think that's an important uh, message, Uh too often I hear we get too critical of organizations. They should be able to stand up and defend themselves, and they should be have discussions with everybody. But uh, we are the organizations, and it's up to us to uh, sit there and get things done. Let's not get lazy. Uh, if you see something needs to be done, get out there and do it. And, Susie, thank you for uh, helping Coach Chuck Reese have an outstanding uh, broadcast yesterday. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network 
And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you're missing out on useful information. And because I do believe Dr. King when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis. And naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through the high schools and colleges. Who knows? Together we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will also be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I have previously expressed, if you disagree with please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's coachdenise, D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S-T-C-A at att.net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida Tennis Magazine or hear them on our Coach Denise and Tennis Blessings broadcast. It would not be the first time that uh, that has happened. And I would also remind you to remember that if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.florida tennis.com and of course in between issues you can now find Jim Martz and some of my articles as well as other important information uh, on Facebook at FL Tennis so uh, don't get upset if somebody's taking the last issue and it's a good idea to check with Facebook anyway because in between uh, issues there's always something happening, and sometimes uh, it's something that really can't wait to the next issue. So Jim March does an excellent job in trying to get it out to the public as soon as possible. For instance, we had um, information about the Miami Open and seeing the progress being made. It looks like uh, we're going to be able to make that move uh, to the Hard Rock Stadium uh, on time. That there, uh, everything is going well. So uh, you you will find a lot of information by going to uh, Facebook. That's FL Tennis, and uh, if you uh, in between articles, it's a great place to be. I, I was on Facebook today actually, and uh, there was. Uh, uh, I couldn't help but repost an article from five years ago uh, when we had um, uh, a photograph of one of the teams and the uh, FHS-TCA uh, end-of-the-year high school all-star tournament in Florida. And I have to say I'm, uh, I was disappointed that that hasn't gone on again, and I really – I'd uh, like to see an effort by the high school coaches. Hey, let's get that all-star uh, tournament going again. I have no inside information, but I just can't imagine that uh, team connection, uh, which dressed our uh, teams 
uh, each year. That's why they look so good, the coaches and the players. Uh, and, again, be willing to get be involved. Or Wilson, who provided goodie bags and all the balls and everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. I suspect if the tournament got going again, they would have been. And Flagler Insurance, I mean, providing lunches along with uh, Roxanne Malone and their dentistry. Uh, it's time for us to get off our butts and uh, make this happen again. We, we've got to awaken this sleeping giant and get it moving. Excuse me a second. <clears throat> you have to forgive me. I have something in my throat. Uh, I, I see, uh, I guess I'm especially uh, want to get into uh, today because I had an interesting summer with a couple of players that told me that um, the information I provide them uh, looks similar to uh, the uh, coaching tennis. Uh, and maybe I'll uh, talk to Chuck about that after. But I, uh, my commentary for this week, August 9th, is, um, as follows. As I stated in part of my July 9th commentary, Bobby reminded me that the world consisted of more than sports, tennis, and history. And to the library we went. And arriving at the library, we discovered that teen-only zone, which that commentary was about. Admittedly, though, besides being upset, I did pick up books. And uh, one of the two books uh, I checked out, uh, I hate, uh, it was actually a history book, I must admit. But the other, The War on Normal People uh, by Andrew Yang, uh, painted a dire portrait of a different American future, which reminded me how my weekly statement about tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey truly mirrors America today. Chapter 15 of the book, The Shape We're In, especially seemed to be meaningful to those arguing that our tennis organization are not effective. Uh, Ryan Abbott reminded us in that chapter, uh, quote, the progress of a few fortunate decades can easily be swept away by a few years of trouble. The statement reminded me that similarities of sports problems today and those which our country now face. In this chapter, the author also listed 13 reasons why America is not in great shape. The last being, and I quote, we don't trust institutions anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me again. You have to read the book to learn the other 12. Uh, no, I'm not recommending the book. I'm still struggling to finish the book. Uh, but later on in that chapter, Mr. Yang's explanation of his relationship with the NBA Knicks seemed to support the discussion which today's mentor, Coach Chuck Reese, and others have been expressing in recent years. <clears throat> the author, a longtime Knicks fan since he was the age of 15 years old, going back to the days of the Ewan-led teams, and the Knicks became part of his life fabric, he says. He explained how years of ticket pricing going up, seats being nosebleed seats, his love affair turned sour after years of mismanagement, 
And finally, in 2014, he could no longer take incompetent management, and he swore off the Knicks and never looked back. Well, long before moving to Florida in 1980, I, too, was a Knicks fan. Matter of fact, I suspect I'm one of the few left who saw the last NBA All-Star game in the Oak Garden and saw the first NBA All-Star game in the New Madison Square Garden. And like many of those reading the New York papers, seen the evidence of mismanagement of the Knicks. Like the author, I too no longer follow the Knicks or, matter of fact, the NBA. But back to tennis. Any day now you should see Florida Tennis Magazine in your tennis pro shops, and in it is part three of Coach Denise Changes Risky Necessary article. Um, when you read it, you will find I have more questions than answers. But as I previously stated, we don't share our ideas. If we don't share our ideas and we don't listen to other people, we will no longer be able to maintain the great game of tennis. Plato reminded us on the radio that... If you don't take an interest in the affairs of your government, then you are doomed to live under the rules of fools. If our governing bodies refuse to listen and discuss all sides of an issue, they will soon lose the trust we have in them. Well, before suggesting that those we have chosen to manage our organization are inept or corrupt, I would suggest that if given the opportunity and that when presenting your suggestions, you also listen to their reasoning. I would also suggest that it's time that our organization leaders consider Dr. Alan West's statement, leadership is about having, leadership is about being a servant first. It's your advantage, you've heard my opinion, Please give me yours. Hang on one second. I have company here. Bobby John's up here. Oh, okay. Okay. I apologize for that. I do the uh, my uh, broadcast from the uh, Florida room by the pool, and I had a great neighbor who just looked popped in on me, Bob. I do uh, see our uh, mentor today uh, on the line. Uh, I would, if he has any comments, I especially would like to hear it. But I have to say, I do have, um, I would like to get into uh, coaching tennis because it came into use a lot this uh, summer. Uh, with a couple of uh, boy, well, not boys, young men, high school players uh, that I was working with. Uh, Coach, are you, you there? Yeah, I am, John. How are you? Good. It sounds like you're on the road again. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to fight my way home in traffic. I've been on the road already 45 minutes. And my air conditioner's out, so I got the windows rolled down. But the problem is it's 95 degrees out, and in Charleston it's about 100% humidity, and it's hot, dang hot. 
what they say in uh, remember in uh, Good Morning Vietnam, how hot is that? Well, dang hot. It's hot. And so I'm sweating like crazy or trying to survive this ride home. It's it's awful. But anyhow, we got, I, I hate to act wimpy, you know, I, gee whiz, how many years did we used to drive cars not have air conditioning? I mean, we never had I air know conditioning it. as kids. I mean, it's unbelievable, but my golly, it's dang hot here, John. And, you know, I enjoyed listening to you quoting. Now, you're quoted, quoting, you know, uh, who was it, Plato? Or was that Pluto? Uh, yes. I, well, I, do, I, I do. enjoy history. Right, I, I and... <laughs> John, I'm sorry. I do Pluto, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, that talking dog they used to have when I was a kid, you know, Pluto or something. Anyhow. No, 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 no. It's good stuff. Uh, wait, I just want to make one comment. More and more, here's, here's the thing I'd like to tell your audience is that, Dag, on it we need some people to stand up i don't know why how everybody's gotten so wimpy you know i mean people just do not stand up for stuff they do not voice opinions they go to that facebook the fake book i call it fake book everybody's a hero on fake book you can make anything look a certain way but nobody discusses things nobody debates stuff forget even getting in arguments nobody nobody does I mean, everybody's sort of lukewarm on stuff, and that is a killer that's going to kill us because we're going to get we're going to get exactly back what we put in, and uh, you know. So I mean, I'm encouraging coaches. You've got to speak out one way or another, coaches. You got to say what you think. If you don't like something, call it out. Just stay professional, address the issues, not people. And nobody can say a thing to you. Just don't get personal. Slander is the last. This is maybe Pluto's quote, but slander is the last tool that is used when the argument's been lost. So don't use slander. That's one of the big ten, too. I think that's number nine, bearing false witness. But no slander. Mm-hmm. You know, just and uh, people will judge you more on what you say about others than what others say about you, but Let's let's go after the issues out there, folks. My gosh. And you know what? Somebody told me last week that I went up to coaches meeting in Michigan. I'm all fired up because it's it's not it was a daggone it wasn't a meeting. It was sorta of the head guy's gonna dictate to us and tell us what what we he wants us to know and stuff so far out there they're making these new things, John, that really Listen to this. Listen to our coaches association right now. Nineteen board members. Guess how many coaches are on there? Six. I, I would hope at least half and maybe three quarters. No, no. Thir- Thirteen marketing people are non-coaches. People that have no clue what coaching is about. No clue. It, it's very, very frustrating. How anybody could think. It's just like, you know, I, as it blows my mind that we put people in tennis positions that have never coached, that have never, you know, they're 3.5 players, and God bless you for your volunteer time. But, you know, people now, because you can get on Facebook and try to look like a hero, everybody's got some kind of accomplishment they think is equal to winning Wimbledon. You know, it's just ridiculous, though. So. 
That's my little yeah, deal. Yeah, I anyhow, think the Jonah, problem is we're it, afraid it. to get into a discussion, and that's the same. Uh, too often we're dictating, and I think that's, you know, the the point I was trying to make is that leaders got to learn to listen. It's not you shouldn't be telling because if you're dictating a policy, then everybody under you assumes they have to do the same thing, and then nobody's listening, and now we're we're going to be in trouble. There's no two ways about. Uh, I I used to think, well, it ain't going to happen during my time. It'll, uh, you know, maybe my children or grandchildren, but it's coming about faster than I expected. Well, there's there's a lot of dynamics in place here. Number one is that we, we know, I want to keep this simple, but the participation trophy mentality or the fake book mentality or everybody's a winner mentality, and guess what? Um, everybody's the same. All of that, all that does is, it, it, you know, it, it, people think that it, it breeds some type of confidence, but it, it doesn't. We are not letting, in tennis or in many of our sports or our businesses, we are not letting the cream rise to the top. We are pulling it back into the bucket and always stirring it again. And in tennis, it's very frustrating to see. I just went to Kalamazoo this last week. I was up there four days watching players, and my golly, over 300 of the best ball strikers you have ever seen. These kids can flat out hit the ball, and they can run, and they compete really well. But as far as playing tennis, the separation is not being made with the emotional part of it and the mental part of it. And, and guess what? We are doing a very, very poor job if we botch up. When we botch up all this talent we have, listen, if we don't have three top tenors out of that last group of boys that we had come up, you know, the Tiafo, Taylor Fritz, uh, you know, those, those guys, Tommy Paul, those guys that were coming up, those were greatest that was the best group of juniors I've seen in this United States since Courier and Sampras and Agassi and David Wheaton and that whole group, you know, and uh, that whole group that came up there where it was, uh, they ended up becoming world champions. And John Falbo was in there as a junior and there's some really good players. And what happened, if, if we don't, have some champions come out of this group we have really dropped the ball you know and uh the reason we dropped the ball is that we're doing a great job of hurting everyone to the center hurting everybody to mediocrity you know and and uh I mean, we're doing it in many, that many I, ways. yeah that's my fear people are afraid to speak up i was so Yes, I mean, I, I enjoy all your broadcasts, but yesterday to hear, I think Susie was her name, a mother of a oh, child yeah, saying that her kids had to be driving. I thought, you know, I, I think that's why broadcasts like ours and magazines like Florida Tennis Magazines are so needed because people have got to be able to express their personal feelings, not what uh, – any organization is dictating to you. Well, you know, it's amazing to me how people are afraid out there. Don't be afraid. Stay professionals, dress issues, not people. No one can find fault. But you've 
You must. As American citizens, we can speak out and we have freedom of speech as long as you don't just don't attack anybody, anybody else. You can attack their policies all day long and do that, folks. Do that. We need you to stand up. But that Susie Wimberly yesterday, folks, you can go to my website, chuckcreasy.net, and you can go there and get all my talks. But Susie Wimberly, the last two weeks, um, we were doing program on the sleeping giants in college tennis, John, and that was, of course, high school tennis, small-town tennis, age group 22 to 35, where we need money tournaments to be out there and maybe UTRs and things like that, but just tournaments. And then, of course, our older folks who are, everybody's panicked about this pickleball. I'm sorry. There might be a pickleball player out there, and you love it, but I don't think pickleball is going to be around longer than tennis. I mean, give me a break. But we need, I promoted Ed Kras's one-on-one doubles a lot, and uh, look up one-on-one doubles. If you want to play singles and half of the doubles court, that's the way you go after, uh, you know, the old folks. But the last part of that, the number five, John, and everybody listening, was you. Every one of us, you know, to, to, we've got to do stuff. And I had this lady on, little town, Somerville, South Carolina, and she really laid it out there well. I mean, she really talked about what you do, how you do it, you know, just go try, just go do this, go do that. But we need everybody out there to be a tennis director because, folks, if you wait on the USTA or the Florida Tennis Association – or the ITA, or whoever these organizations, it ain't going to happen. And when it does happen, when it does happen, it's going to be half-baked. It's not going to be the nope. whole deal. So anyhow, John, I, I, I thank you for your articles. And, and how good is uh, uh, Marts, or, uh, who in Florida Tennis Magazine? He's, how, uh, how he's, a, Bobby he's a great guy. And, and, and and those guys, I mean, what a debt of gratitude. Everybody down there in Florida owes those guys for all they've done. Well, truthfully, the, the magazine is going all over the country now. I think every state, there's, I, I, I don't know how many in every state, but that that, that goes to every single state. Because, you know, you can't change the name of it because for almost 30 years it's been Florida Tennis Magazine. But like it or not, and some a lot of people don't, uh, tennis goes from Florida, and it's going to keep going through it. And it's just, uh, you know, he does a great job. He's, uh, he packs you when I show them my limitations on writing, and I needed three, uh, you know, three uh, article, three issues to put my feelings on there. Uh, he's really supportive. He just says, as you know, I want you to back up your issues. I want you to be able to sit there and debate them uh, respectfully with people. And uh, I just don't think you can ask for a better uh, editor. And, and like, uh, well, you know, I talked about uh, Dave Weber before. It's the same thing. You know, they, I, I think we're blessed to have uh, people in certain organizations that do give you the freedom, they give you the responsibility with it, but they give you the freedom uh, to, 
talk and give your views. And like I say every uh, every week, uh, you get my views, and uh, I I'll listen to your views too. Just as long as we get into a reasonable conversation, I'm all for it. I would like to get into your book because I do have a special reason, and I would. Uh, and later on, I, I don't want to get into there's another thing with for the seniors with pickleball that the USDA dropped. I put it on my article, and not the last issue, the, the one before, and I have my own prejudices against pickleball, so I won't get into that. But um, I do have a couple of uh, young men that I'm working with this summer, and it was interesting the second uh, week that I'm working with, you know, because I... Coach, you sound a lot like I seen your name in the book at the their high school players, and one, neither one of one was playing. I think number five wants to be still number one if that happens. The other one wasn't a starter; he's just a freshman. And uh, they saw my name in the book, and um, the uh, coach told him, "Oh yeah, that used he used to use that. You could you could take it." So uh, they were smart enough to take the book. And I think it was the second or third week was they said, you know, Coach, you're saying a lot of the same things as in Coach Tennis. I said, well, truthfully, Coach Greasy was a mentor of mine. And when I came from basketball to tennis, I had to learn a lot of stuff. And it's like there's a learning, you're learning all the time. And so, uh, so we actually, I think they're sorry they said it because now weekly I, their homework is a chapter each time to make sure to read it and we can discuss it intelligently. So I, uh, well, I did thanks, ask John. them the I other day that. if they uh, regretted to uh, tell me about it or not. Well, John, I, I really appreciate that. And thanks for mentioning the book. You know, Coaching Tennis, uh, that book, I've got four tennis books, Total Tennis Training, Winning Tennis, Youth Tennis. But the Coaching Tennis really is the one that I think that it's, right for coaches and I, I look back at it even when I did it but probably 90% of it is still exactly the way I would do it again I mean I'd add some things to it now but you know for a coach it's it's there and I'm very very proud to say that it's quickly becoming the most sold book tennis instructional book ever it's got over 40,000 now it in total tennis training uh, 40,000 out there, that's, and that's a lot of tennis books. And all over the world, all over the world, I went to India, gave a talk, and a guy came up there. He had my book in South Africa. They've had it Southeast Asia, over in Europe, over the Netherlands. But my book has been translated in other languages as well, and including Japanese. And uh, so I got to do a tour but anyhow, that being said, I'm very proud of it, folks. Go to uh, we're, I'm trying to get it digitalized because I I think it's the kind of book you need to have and read and and uh, put notes in and things like that. But now they're going towards that digital thing. <clears throat> but the bottom line on the thing, coaching tennis, you can get it on Amazon still, and um, it's um, McGraw Hill. McGraw Hill is publishing it now. Masters Press origi- originally, but but thank you, John. And then uh, to get a chance, we we give it out to all the coaches when we do our coaching certification 
I do a total fitness training or a T3 coaching certification about twice a year, and I'll be doing one over Christmas time in Marietta, Georgia, and I'll give more information. So high school coaches, if you want coaching certification, it's a two-and-a-half-day class, and you will – You'll know what the heck you're trying to do with uh, in, in, in multiple different areas. We have some other coaches in to speak as well, but it's an instructional thing, and it's a hands-on uh, instructional thing. You will be very confident in working out players, you know, at, at, at any levels, as well as running your team. And the way you laid it out is important. I mean, uh, to me, just starting, you know, starting with the, the training physically. As a matter of fact, I asked the boys what their favorite chapters was, the one 14 and 15, and you learn something about yourself. I learned those are chapters that I talk a lot about that I like. But for a coach, you got to start at the beginning, and you start at the beginning. I was, when I asked them that, I was surprised that they didn't pick up. Maybe they just don't like the conditioning part of it. But uh, I was a little disappointed that that wasn't their favorite. But what's your favorite chapter? Well, you know, John, to be truthful, when I tell people who've been in tennis a while to read the book, I tell them to read section 3, 2, 1, and then 4, or 3, 2, 4, 1. Uh, the first eight chapters, we had to put the physical part in first, and that covers you know, the technical skills, the fitness skills, the fitness stuff is very important. Most of the coaches get back to me and they say, thank you for the running programs and how to do the interval training and everything, all those things, your nutritional programs and those things. But, uh, again, the first part is the physical part. The second part, the first part actually introduction in, in – the, the early parts of the books are about you developing a philosophy that helps you work for mastery more than just success. The key is getting people to work for mastery, and it goes through that. But the physical, the mental, and the emotional part are what is put in there. But I always tell people, you want the quickest thing, go to part three, the emotional part. And I think you want me to talk about it a little bit today. And then I tell them to go to the mental part which are, is your shot selection with the directionals and the shot selection, momentum control. John Steele, I'm the only person in the world that has a system of momentum control. It works for basketball. You, i, I got to sit down and talk with you about basketball and how it works for basketball. It works for other sports. It works for your businesses. But it works great in tennis because tennis is a game of momentum. And then the last part of the book, the fourth part, is is about – building your team and how to be, how to uh, get each person in the team to fit into the team and stuff like that. So, but I think you wanted me to talk about the emotional section, correct? The motivation. Well, whichever you want, I think, uh, you know, chapter nine was important too. And uh, truthfully uh, speaking, it does relate to basketball because that's where I first, my coaching began. And uh, I'd be a liar if I didn't say a good part of, uh, the blessings I shared with business coaching uh, comes from there too. So uh, <laughs> I'm a believer of that. So you, you go where you want to go. Well, it's, it's fine. You know, I, I talk so much about motivation and uh, not being average and what that's all about. And, and, you know, the dust is not settled. Yes, the athletes are acting 
different. When people say the athletes are different, they're no different than they ever were. They're acting nope. different because we give them different stimulation, different rewards, different punishments. The society is so fast that, yeah, it's just a different challenge. They're the same as they always have been. And I don't think the dust has settled yet, really, with what's going to happen. Maybe it will, never will now because of all the fast communication we have. But kids are still kids. They play for two reasons. They play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. They do not play for the rankings. The parents want the rankings. By the way, uh, one of the things Susie Wimberly said yesterday, she said, just run tournaments. Run your local park tournament. You don't have to be sanctioned by the USTA or the UTR. Don't spend money. Just run a tournament. Get I love that. In, in your little town. Just run a tournament. And kids play for rivalries and tournaments of heritage. They do not play. They do not play for the ranking points. Believe me. It's uh, the the point system was about the worst thing the USTA ever did. Just horrible because it got the kids to – it's like teaching kids how to take a test for the grade only. And they, they just it, – it's just disappointing. So the motivational part right now, I think you're right. I mean, I, we'll talk another day. But the motivational part, uh, the biggest thing, folks, is try, try to keep your kids from being tweeners. There's a disease of tweenerism, which is – you know, walk like a champion, act like a champion, talk like a champion, and all those things. That's all good, but you've got to – they used to say you got to put up or shut up. And uh, people are so much into promotion now that, it, it you know, there's just not a lot under the hood sometimes. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of little things that each one of us have to do as coaches. But the bottom line on the thing is that each individual needs some simple things. You know, they need to dislike losing. They need to love winning. And they need to correlate that work ethic. Work ethic and success come along, but work ethic and learning mastery also are part of the deal. And there is no shortcut for excellence. If your youngster is a tweener, you have to give them ownership in their, of their tweenerism, and you you have to make sure that they learn how to work for things. That's that's the biggest thing. But uh, John, chapter nine in the book is probably my favorite chapter, and the reason why is because it's about all of the different pressures of competition. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to go just jump in there and sort of go tell ahead. people what it's about. So, as a coach, you've probably got your players to play very well in practice, very well in some situations, and then they go out to play in a real match, different pressure situation. You go, whoa, that's not the kid I saw last week, or whoa, wait a minute, that's not the kid I saw all week long in practice. And what happens? What 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 exactly happens? Well, Coach Randy Blumendahl, who's a brilliant coach, and he's up there at Bradenton, folks, he and Ashley Hobson working together at, at I think, the Academy in Braden Inspiration, I think. And, that, and Coach um, 
Randy Blumendahl said to me, and this is very brilliant, he said the separation between players before age 14 is almost always done with the physical part of the game. And he said now from 14 to 17, it's almost always done with the mental part, 14, 15, 16 probably with the mental part of the game. But the separation when the kids get really good in that top, top level, in other words, all those kids I saw at Kalamazoo were – were brilliant ball strikers. It was really something. But the separation is always made. One kid being clutch and the other kid not being able to perform as well under pressure. And whether you say they choke, they get tight. Uh, I've only, I believe only 10% of the kids out there are us are naturally clutch under pressure. I think that 20 or 30% never get it, but the other 50 or 60%, like all of us out there, have to learn. How, but the difference is made, the separation is made in the emotional part of the game. So I would ask everyone out there to start, if you want your youngsters to play well, start by looking up the Yates inverted U hypothesis, Y-A-T-E-S, inverted U hypothesis that all of us learned about, and we learned about in back in freshman psychology in, uh, in our class, it's called a pressure curve. The pressure curve shows you that as pressure increases, performance increases until the pressure is too much, and then the, the people crack. Hey, excuse me, I just dropped my phone on the floor, and I'm pulling in here, so hang on. Pressure okay. increases, performance performance increases, and then till pressure is too much, and then the people crack. So if you have uh, – there is a medium there that is optimal performance for each person. A sports psychologist try to duplicate this in many ways as they can, and they try very, very hard to get people to play in their optimal performance level But the brilliance of our scoring system is that pressure fluctuates. You'll have pressure, then your pressure will go away. You'll be ahead, you'll be behind, you'll be even. And all the pressure goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It'd be very much like a basketball game. Uh, The pressure of being way behind is not so much. Pressure being way ahead is not too much. As you get closer to being tied, the pressure is ramped up. And some people can people have more trouble playing with the lead than they do from being behind. You don't play well with the lead until you get lots of confidence and you jump a level. When you can play well with the lead, you become the favorite, and a lot of people learn how to run for the finish line. But that is the trick. So go get Yates Inverted U Hypothesis. Um, There's – you know, there's lots of great books. The talent code is not necessarily about that's about your work ethic, but there's a lot of good books out there. But let me tell you what chapter nine is about. Chapter nine is about how to manage the fluctuating pressure of different situations. For example, now let me, let me explain this. Every match is different in tennis. You'll have similarities, but every match is different. There's no two matches that are the same. But there are similarities in the presentation of the match. For example, the breakdown I give, and I give uh, probably, I devote three to four paragraphs for each one of these, 
when you go to play a match, there are usually two outstanding features here. Number one, you know the opponent or you don't know the opponent. Okay. So now, if you don't know the opponent, you're favored according to the seeding charts. They're favored according to the seeding charts. Or it's an even matchup. So those are all three different pressures. And, and if you're an underdog for someone else to be favored, that's the biggest chance for an upset. They don't know you. You don't know them. You've got something to gain. They've got something to lose. Guess what? Your hand-eye coordination under pressure will work. Theirs might not because they don't know your tendencies. They don't have a pecking order over you. So these things all are taken into consideration. Uh, The thing I tell players about tennis matches is four or five times during this match, your hand-eye coordination will go away. You've got to try to get it back with your routines, your rituals, and those things that you do between points. I preach, John, and everybody out there, you've got 25 seconds between points, and then you've usually got a 10-second point, so that's 35 seconds, correct? So I tell the players, you've got to try to win 34 out of those 35 seconds. How do you do that? Great body language teams and rituals between points and then you play the heck out of the point and if they get the last ball in the court and you don't guess what you've won 34 out of 35 points 34 out of 35 seconds sometimes you win 35 out of 35 but you must do that but the pressure of the situation your hand eye coordination comes and it goes I tell the players when your rear end starts to quiver you still have to deliver and, and so when you're in your most nervous state, you still have to be able to perform. How do you get good at that? Well, number one is 10,000 reps, and you get to the place where you're automatic, where even when your rear end's quivering, when, you're, when you, your behalkus, I tell the little kids, your behalkus starts to quiver, you still have to deliver. You still have to be able to do it. You have to have done enough repetitions. That's number one. But it really, really helps if you know how to balance the pressure in your mind so that you get the same medial amount, going back to the Yates inverted U hypothesis, the same pressure every time you play a point, every time you play a game, every time you get ready to serve. This is, these are the routines that you do similar to a batter up at the plate with their routines or basketball player getting ready to shoot the free throws. I always bounce the ball five times in Indiana high school basketball. One, two, three, four, five. I breathe out. I look in the hoop. I mean, and that's what you say that you say to yourself, you know, over and in, over and in, over and in, but you go through these routines, but just let's, okay. So there's, very quickly, I don't want to run out of time here, but uh, John and everybody listening out there, what you do, so you don't know your opponent, you're favored, they're favored, neither one of you is favored. So that's covered very easily. Now, the trickier ones are you know your opponent. So let's see. You, you've, when, if you know your opponent, you've played them before and you've played them before and won, you've played them before and lost. Right? Those are two other situations. There's a pecking order there. 
There's different pressures for each one of those. Now, let's, let's talk about the other three. You know them, but you've never played them. You know them, you've never played them. They're favored, you're favored, or neither is favored. So now, John, I've just described eight different categories. It sounds like, wow, that's a little bit too much paralysis by analysis, but it's really not. I have two paragraphs in each book that sort of gives a player a head up, heads up, so your youngster can go into the match and say, look, I played this guy the last two times, and I lost both of the matches. All right, here's what it says to do. And it has two or three paragraphs that just gives the kids sort of something to hang on to. Okay, I played the guy before, and I won. Here is the situation. Here's the traps. Here's the thing you got to get ready for. So I love Chapter 9. I think that that's probably, other than the momentum control, Chapter 12 in my book. Again, the momentum, I will be having another book on momentum control itself coming out within the next year or two. That's what I've been working on. But momentum control in 12 is very important, but Chapter 9 is my most, you know, is, is my most favorite. That sounds very good. Is my favorite chapter. Okay, so um, again, Coach Randy Blumadol said this. He goes, until age 13, 14, the physical part of the game, the kids who got a head start, they're bigger, they're stronger, they got a better forehand, backhand, that's the separation. Then the separation comes from the people who make better decisions on the court, the mental decisions. But in the end, you've got to put the whole ball of wax together, the emotional part, is trumps everything else. And um, I'll leave you with this, the last thought on that. As you're learning skills out there, folks, you're learning the physical skills first, then you learn the mental skills of how to use the physical skills. Then the emotional skills come in your comfort level, your comfort level at these physical and mental skills. And how comfortable you need to be, well, there's Four levels, I'll tell youngsters and players. At first, you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't know how bad, what you can't do. Then you become consciously incompetent. Whoa, I can't do that. I got to get better at it. Then you become consciously competent. You can do it, but you got to think about it. That's where most of us are at with our golf games after we start as adults. And then last, Last, you become unconsciously competent. Unconsciously competent, you, uh, you, you get to the place where you can do it automatically, and then guess what? You're comfortable emotionally with it. So this game is fantastic. We have cheap oh, – I don't want to go there. I'm so, it's so fresh on my mind about battling at Kalamazoo, talking to coaches – these these guys, they don't understand the depth of tennis, and they're trying to push forward this no-ad scoring, and they're just trying to market it, and they're bastardizing it so badly. The brilliance of our scoring system is much like chess. If they make if they make it into something less, they'll, it'll become checkers. But um, anyhow, John, um, is there any quick questions you have? I know you're running out of time with me here. Um, well, I think it, I, I do have a Go ahead. No. I do uh, have a comment because I, okay. I really do believe 
that we've got, we've got to sit there and get this information out because I I you and I talked about it I don't know how many times that sleeping uh, giant called high school tennis and last week on my August second uh, commentary I talked about uh, you know my two grandsons and it wasn't that I was just uh, you know a proud grandfather but. I talked about how we lost them from tennis. They're, you know, both of them received scholarships in baseball. Uh, both of them are praying that they go into uh, become pros, and time will tell if that'll happen. Uh, but one of them is still um, will be a senior this year, but he's already uh, agreed to go to uh, Manhattan College. Uh, on a baseball scholarship, the other one is already in college. But the point being that, you know, we can't keep losing athletes to baseball. Um, the article was about the Cooperstown and uh, 50,000 people attending, honoring the Hall of Fame. And it just blows my mind that uh, – we're like I asked in this coming article of Florida Tennis Magazine, why uh, do why do Major League Baseball players uh, go to uh, from high school to college to uh, baseball? Why not tennis? Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's and that's what scares me. And I think uh, our friend. Ashley Hobson on one of my broadcasts pointed out perfectly the problem that tennis has against other sports. And we've got to, I think our only salvation is we've got to start developing athletes in high school because they've got to go through high well, school and college like John, they used to John, do or we're in deep trouble. Okay, first of all, you're playing, it would be similar to arena football you know, for high school players, if you, when you play no ad scoring, you're playing, uh, you're playing arena tennis and it's laughable. It's recreation tennis. When you, when you play no ad scoring, you're playing recreation tennis. It is. We both know the problems. Coach, coach, if I, I need to interrupt you. We both know the, the problems you've expressed it on your broadcast. I've expressed them on well, my broadcast. I've written about it. When we've got to get enough coaches involved to start doing, we John, didn't need people like you John, had on your show yesterday. Uh, Susie uh, saying, "My son needs." I mean, I thought she John, was beautiful. She was, John. John, our coaches association is run by a person that understands checkers but does not understand chess, and it's that simple. Our coaches, yeah, we have nineteen people on the board of our coaches association in college only six of them are coaches now are you kidding me what uh, i mean are you really kidding me that would be like having a board of directors for music and you only have six that have ever been in a band you know i mean it, it's really pathetic and they're making decisions based on such no information that that is solid and and it's really sad and unfortunately we have we have our leaders need to be more skilled they need to be a bit 
under more they need to understand the sports better than they do. I mean, it's really not good. And the point, but here's the thing: while we have John, could you imagine football? If they said in high school football, all right, you'll get nine points for a passing touchdown, only six points for a running touchdown. That's what no ad scoring is. It does away with the TKOs. It does away with the point development. It does away with the tough games. It does away with the fitness. So what would you do? You have the game of football is bastardized. It would be like three balls, two strikes in baseball. I mean, no long counts in baseball. It's really not good. So that's part of the thing. We've got to stop bastardizing the sport of tennis. It's 149 years old. We need to honor it and protect it. And our coaches associations, their first duty should be to protect the game of tennis, not to market it for their own benefit. We've got a couple fellows that are just feeding off the land right there, and they're just cashing in on on some stuff, and it's really very, very disgusting. But the point we've got to do is uh, everybody's got to get out there and start. If, if anybody, anybody got anything out of this broadcast today, you've got to get out and, and, and talk. Go to We Coach Tennis and write in We Coach Tennis if, if you can, but, but you've got to talk. You've got to stand up and speak out. And this no-ad scoring should never be played in high school or any team matches. If well, we killed another and... show, Coach. We've come to an end of another show. Yeah. And I would, I would ask you, too, to expand on uh, uh, Coach Creasy's remarks if you disagree with us, because uh, our feelings yeah, sure. on that is the I'm same. Tell but... us and put your but talk to us about why. Don't just I... say we're wrong. Right. Please don't John, say we're wrong. Things. In yeah, my articles, too point. many people said that the uh, you know the USTA won't do this. The ITF is no good. That I don't want to hear, and I don't want to get into discussions about. I want to have your explanation of why we're wrong. And I'll listen to that, and I'll probably even post it or give you time. Next week, we're giving time to Dr. Uh, John F. Murray, a clinical and sports psychologist who I've been blessed to have uh, at uh, my uh, uh, workshops before. He's contributed uh, to uh, tennis uh, in many ways. He's also... Contributor, I'm on a, um, well, my own bias. I no longer watch NFL uh, football, uh, but he uh, has done great work with NFL, too. And uh, uh, it, But sports are sports. And uh, like Coach Chuck Reese just said, it's important to have uh, your – once you reach a certain degree – it's not just the technique that counts. It's the whole your mental mindset that's going to count. And we all need help at that at times. And uh, next week I'm sure that Dr. Murphy will uh, share some of those ideas. And like he's done in the past, uh, he'll disagree with me with uh, some of this stuff. But I think we could have a nice discussion, and I look forward to having nice discussions with you. I understand that everybody doesn't agree with me or everybody doesn't agree with Chuck or everybody doesn't agree with Ashley Hobson, 
but I think they have important messages. I think Ashley's position on when I asked him, and I won't forget, where does the blame go for going? He says, right. And he went into detail and explained why. So have a blessed week. Tell your friends to join us next week. And I look forward to another conversation with you. Bye now. Have a blessed week.